Final score, guys, is back again. I've said it hundreds and hundreds of times. You guys know I am an old-school ACC basketball fan. I really love the days back in the in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s when the AC, but, well, you know, before the ACC became so big, so big. When you had 18s in the ACC, maybe with Florida State, I could handle that. But I love the days the ACC tournament was started on Friday at 12, ended Sunday in the afternoon. Uh, but with me today is a legendary Duke Blue Devil basketball star. Uh, he was Rookie of the Year in 78. As a freshman starting at power forward, he played a strong role in Duke reaching the NCAA Finals. They lost in Kentucky, but he, he received team MVP honors three times. And, you know, I'm a Carolina fan. I have to throw this out there. The home game, the last home game against Carolina, he hits a shot to tie it up, send it overtime. Duke goes on to win in overtime. And the rest is history with Duke. That kind of started the whole thing with Duke. With me today is legendary Duke Blue Devil, Mr. Gene Banks. Welcome to the show, Mr. Banks. Well, thank you for having me. I don't thought you could be a Carolina fan. <laughs> I, have, I, have, <laughs> I have several Carolina fans, and Phil Ford is the... Uh, I consider him a brother to me, and we talk all the time. Yeah, he's he's a legend, too. You guys uh, really, uh, between him at Carolina, you and Duke, we, we've had some legendary ACC players, two legendary ACC players right there. So you grew up in Pennsylvania, right, Philly? Yeah, I grew up in West, in West Philadelphia, in Philadelphia, the city of Philadelphia, but uh, as I did on my podcast last night, a lot of people thought I was born in West Philadelphia, but I was born in South Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, it, it's like New York. It's like the Five Points, Queens, uh, Manhattan, Bronx, Brooklyn. And Philadelphia has West Philly, North Philly, South Philly, and Northeast. So I grew up in South Philly, but I wound up going to the area of West Philadelphia, which is, you know, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, yeah, West well, Philadelphia, South born and raised. <laughs> yep, yep. So, so the, the, the regions, the areas are different. They're much different. Philadelphia has more of a an ethnic background of Polish and Italian and, right. and Scandinavian and also black, but in West Philadelphia was more of a Jewish type of area way back in the early 20s, 30s, and 40s. And then that became also uh, predominantly, not predominantly, but it's mixed black and white. So a little bit more uh, grass in the front, not much of a concrete jungle as it is in South Philly. Yeah, so growing up, I'm sure you were a basketball fan. Who, who was somebody that you pulled for? Who were the teams that you pulled for? Well, you know, I, honestly, I didn't really like basketball at first. You know, my dad was a good player. As a, as a young kid, he played. He played against all those guys like Will Chamberlain, Earl Monroe. Oh, wow. Uh, these are big names. Yeah. yeah he, and on the Satellites in Philadelphia, everywhere in different areas, there was a lot, a lot of basketball playing games. Uh, you know, you go down Diamond Street in South Philly, you go to Dolphin Street in North Philly. You would go from one court to another court, driving your car, and you play. My dad did that, and I would ride with him. And I didn't I had no, no caring about basketball. But after he finished playing with them, what he would do with me, he would call me out, he would throw the ball at me, he would trip me, he would give me a wedge. He made the game fun. <laughs> uh, trying to teach me how to shoot a jump shot. And then he just made it fun. I enjoyed being with him. And next thing you know, I, I, I started picking up because of, because of my dad. Oh, wow. So were there any other sports you played through school? Oh, yeah. I, 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 I played baseball as a young kid. I love, I'm, I'm a baseball fanatic. You know, I come up in, in you're old school, so I came up in that year with the Philadelphia Phillies had uh, uh, Dick Allen and, uh, and uh, guys like that. Uh, just the name Steve Carlton. Oh, yeah. Guys. But I wasn't really a, I wasn't a Philly fan so much. I was always a Cubs fan. Okay. And the reason why I was a Cubs fan because they had Ernie Banks. Yes, sir. They had the same name I had. <laughs> and uh, I I would go around tell people that that's my uncle. That's my uncle, you know. So I would I would follow them, and they were they became the teams I, I loved and liked. So baseball was one of my my big big keys. Football, uh, I was going to try in high school. One day I went out there, and my high school basketball coach, before I even pursued it up, came out there, grabbed me off there, and took me by my collar and says, "You do not want no part of this. Leave this alone." <laughs> And yeah. it's probably the best thing that ever happened in my life because they were rough in high school. I mean, high school football was, was serious up in Philadelphia. Yeah, that, that's definitely probably make, made a good decision there. So when did you know, when did it hit you that basketball was going to be what took you to the next level? 
Uh, it, it really never hit me uh, about uh, what level it was. I played at the moment, at the time. Right. I was playing sunlight basketball. <clears throat> I was getting very, very good. Uh, then I played for different teams. I had, we had neighborhood teams, and I became this boy wonder that people never knew. And you know, I just played hard. And I played hard. And I played rough. Uh, you know, I, I knew how to play physical. But uh, at this time, I went to another team, and uh, I, went to, I, I got bust. You know, people don't even know. They think that people get bust in the south. <laughs> but during my era, at that one time, I got bust when I moved to Westbrook. I got bust from Westbrook all the way to South Bay, to junior high school. Uh, you know, 35, 40 minute drive going and 35, 40 minutes back. And I started, I played on that junior high school. And that's when I got my first dunk. That's when I knew that something was, <laughs> you know, that this was something more than what just winning some games and all that other stuff. So that's when I, I kind of figured it out a little bit. Yeah. What's your favorite favorite memory from back in high school playing basketball? Your favorite game that you wish you could go back and play again? Oh, my God. I mean, I played for Westwood High School. We were the national champions in 1977. Uh, when I went to Westwood High School, I played on a team when I was 10th grade, and we went 25-0. Great team, great players. Um, we had some great moments. I think the, the, great, the greatest moment I had was we had the city championship game, which is like a, the major game. Right. Uh, it was on that. It was on TV. I was at Temple's McGonagall Hall, sold out, and I've been playing decent all year. But the other, we had two other guys that were all public and great players. But um, I had the game of my life on TV, and, and uh, I had 24 points, and I had 12 rebounds, three block shots. I had wow. the game of my life, and that's where the name, the Pinkerbell name, came. I uh, was formed. Uh, that's the name that I got, and I had to learn how to deal with it, but. Uh, that was one of my big memorable games. Then, in uh, my second year, we played uh, up in Long Island Lutheran in New York. And Wayne McCoy was the number one player in America. Uh, he was a top player. We're playing, Westbrook Office playing this tournament. Uh, as a matter of fact, the coach of Davidson uh, was the assistant coach at Long Island Lutheran. Okay. Is that, is that amazing? He, 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 he told me about that. And, and I had the game of my life. I had 40. Out there was sales going to get destroyed. We were we were fifteen point hundred dollars. We lost the game by two, but I had forty six points. I had twenty five rebounds. I had seven seven assists, three blocks. I had the I still don't even remember one basket I made in that game. It was just like somebody possessed my, my body in that game. <laughs> and I and Wayne McCoy was like six ten. He was big and blue, but I outplayed him, and uh, that was one of the big games that I remember. Uh, in my second year, and then my senior year, we went 30 you know, we were we were the national champions, proving it. We played against Dunbar. We went to Baltimore, sold out the Civic Center, 15,000. And we won that game against Ernie Graham. I don't know if you remember him when he played at Marlin. Yes, sir. Uh, then, we, then we played against uh, a team, Bashir, which is one of the top teams in the country in Pennsylvania. And we beat them. I hit a buzzer beater against them uh, to win that game. But then uh, there was so many games. And then I had my 52-point game uh, against Bach and my high school coach and my teammates said, you always facilitate, you always giving it to us. You're not going to pass the ball one time this game. And I've never been so exhausted <laughs> in my life to be shooting that many times. It was crazy. That just wasn't my... I mean, I score points and do all kinds, but I never just had to shoot all the time and it was crazy. Uh, and I scored 52 points. Wow. So what other? I mean, we know, of course, Duke was after you to come play for them. What other schools besides Duke were after you to come play for them? Well, I was the number one player along with Albert King, right. uh, so I got a lot of a lot of notices. Uh, but then I had to, you know, you, you, there was a rule about NCAA that you had to pick six schools to visit. That was the rule before. Back in the day, you can visit as many schools you want to, but I chose, and because of television, I chose to visit Michigan, Notre Dame. North Carolina State, because of David Thompson and the things that they were doing. Right. Your beloved Tar Heel. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and UCLA. And I didn't get a chance to pick the, the sixth team uh, school that I was going to visit. Because really, I, was, I wanted to go to Hawaii. You know, and I'm being very honest. I wanted to go to Hawaii just for the trip. Not so much for the school, <laughs> just for the trip. You're not the, first, you're not the first one that's told me that, by the way. Yeah, there's that, that, a lot yeah, of that I mean, they, you that's that. Why, and that's why the NCAA cut some of those things. There's a lot of guys are taking trips just to be taking trips. But 
yeah. So I have one more trip left. Uh, I, I, I visit the state, uh, and they had Clyde, Clyde the Glide Austin, and, and uh, who else they had on that team? Uh, Hawkeye Whitney. Hawkeye Whitney, Hawkeye yeah. Whitney. But, uh, so I visited there, and then Clyde got close. I visited Carolina. Had a good time, and I came to Carolina, and I visited UCLA. Now, UCLA was UCLA really had they had me. I mean, you, I, I mean, I, I got a chance to go to you got this Playboy Mansion. Hey, <laughs> you know, if they had the letter of intent in front of me right there, I probably would have signed it. Okay, I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> if they had that letter, I would have signed it. Lot stopping, but California was a different world. It was it was just unbelievable, but. Um, uh, one of the things, so I visited those schools. I, I never even, I canceled going to Michigan and Notre Dame to visit because I was exhausted. You know, I mean, every weekend I was going to visit a school. They were laying a carpet out to you. They were kissing your butt and the whole nine yards. But, you know, and every school was just as good as the other school. You know, every school is just as good as the other school. And I chose, but Duke came into play out of nowhere. It really did. I knew nothing about Duke. Only thing I knew about Duke and you, and you being an old school guy. Uh, Kate Armstrong was on that team. Uh-huh. You know, Kate Armstrong, he was, uh, and he went down, he, he broke his, his, his wrist and whatever he was out. But my English teacher was the one that was always pushing academics and you know, this and that. He said, if you do anything else, you should go visit the school. They got great architecture, blah, blah, blah. And to get him off my back, I said to him, listen, I'll go visit. I just, just to get him off the top, stop him telling me about it. And that's what made me go down to visit too. And when I went down there, I saw it was a small school. Uh, it, was, it was kids from all over the world. Uh, there was a small contingent of black unity that was there. Uh, I liked it. You know, it was just, I think, you know, I really can make this team a national power and, and, and have some fun with it. And that's what brought me and my attention to do. Yeah, and then talk a little bit about what it was like to play for Coach Bill Foster. Well, Bill Fox was, he was, he was strange. He was, I say strange because he was funny. And that's what, that's what threw, him, threw me off with all the other coaches. He was, he, he had sharp one-liners. He would say some things and walk away. You think he was serious, but you didn't know whether he was serious or being funny. And he would always catch me off guard. And I just said, this guy, this guy is really, he's really weird. <laughs> he came to a game, he came to a game to watch me play, uh, in the suburban league. Uh, some of the top players, uh, were playing. And he was a, with a lot of the coaches were there. And all the coaches, they weren't really supposed to talk to, but they spoke anyway. He left, walked down, and he walked past me and left. Didn't say two words. So, you know, um, next thing I know, I called. I don't know if I called. I called him. I said, well, I saw Coach Foster, but he didn't speak. So every other coach spoke and this and the other thing. And they put him on the phone. And he, he gets on the phone. He goes to me. He says, I said, Coach, I said, uh, you know, I'm just getting to know about Duke and all that. I said, I said, um, why did you didn't even say anything? He says, because I don't think I don't think you were good enough. Oh, and he hung the phone up on. And he hung the phone up. I, I, I'm telling you, this is this is how quirky he was. And he hung the phone up, and I'm in the kitchen with my mom and everybody, and I'm going, Mom, this man just hung the phone. Are you kidding me? You know, I'm bewildered. So I'm like, this was really crazy. So then all of a sudden, uh, Bob Winslow called me back about. Ladies, listen, 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 let me tell you something about Coach. Coach is he's whimsy, he's whimsical, he's this, that, and the other thing. He was really just joking. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 it was the but that intrigued me about him. Right. Um, but, he, but our other coaches had to respect him because he, he, he came from, uh, he coached up in, uh, in, in upstate Pennsylvania at, I think, Bloomsburg State. So some coaches knew him, so to speak. So he had the respectability. But, I liked him. He was like a father figure to me. Um, he allowed me to be expressive. He knew who I was. And, and that's the, the one thing that I like uh, about Coach. He was very supportive of me uh, in, a, in, in every way. So what was it like? To, uh, I mean, you played in big games uh, in high school, but what was it like that first time coming out at uh, Cameron Play your first regular season home game playing at Cameron against Johns Hopkins, knowing I'm I'm at the next level now. I'm at an ACC school and I'm playing. What was it? What was that feeling like coming out that first time? Um, I was so nervous, uh, excited. I was all over the place, you know, um, because there was a lot of expectations of me. 
uh, it was, uh, I, I tried to maintain myself. I tried to calm myself, but, uh, but I always had a ritual that got me ready for a game. And I, like, like a boxer preparing yourself for a match. Uh, but when I came out there, I, my, my mind was just so bewildered. I mean, it was, uh, uh, it was some of the big, I've been in big games, but it was excitement, uh, being there, knowing, uh, everybody's looking at you, uh, and just that and the other thing. So it was, there was, there was, uh, some tension, some nerves. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Then you have a early, early matchup with North Carolina at Greensboro Coliseum. Uh, what was it like matching up with, you talk about how close you and Phil Ford are. What was it like matching up with Phil Ford for the first time? Uh, he was he was the one player that I saw. He he amazed me. He was he's one of my favorite players because he had this hop skip kind of thing he would do. Uh, his ball handling were were exemplary, but uh, he had this move that he would stop, hop, skip, and jump, and he could score and shoot. Just control the team. He amazed me. Uh, I was I was very enthralled with him. Um, and then the Carolina thing was bigger than life. Uh, here it was. This is something they've talked about. Now I'm in this game, uh, and I, I, I was also a little bit nervous too. It'd be my first time, uh, and I'm, I'm playing against Michael Corrin. Oh yeah, uh, and, these, and, and these guys, these guys, are, these, these guys are a good team. Um, so um, I was, I was a little bit uh, bewildered, a little bit to it. Uh, I, didn't get, I didn't get comfortable just yet until the second half, but. Uh, and now I knew what the, the, the rivalry was all about. You know, it was crazy building up to that. But the good thing was the first one was at Greensboro Coliseum because it seemed a little bit more neutral. Yeah. But uh, Phil Ford was the one guy that uh, amazed me he, he, from that team. Yeah, and then you guys uh, go on. You Talk a little bit about one of your teammates, though. And I have to ask about this guy. This, you know, I'll ask you about some of your teammates. Jim Spinarkle. What was it like playing with Jim Spinarkle? Jim Spinarkle was a Jersey kid that uh, pitch and told. They, they called him slow, but he was, his basketball IQ was off the chain. Yeah. He was very smart. He knew how to manipulate different things. You know, when we played that year, we played a lot of zone. And you know he was smart because in the zone, he was always on my side. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> I was jumping it all over the place. But, uh, very good player, a wonderful leader as a captain. Uh, he, he, he didn't uh, come at me or, or say he, he allowed me to flow and do certain things, and he knew what kind of player he was. Very exceptional player. He also played uh, basketball in high school with O'Corn. They were on right. the same team. So that's, I don't know if you knew that. But, I did uh, not know that. Yep, and O'Corn were, were teammates in high school. Uh, but he was, a, he was a very good, smart player, very very crafty. Uh, he was a great leader. And talk a little bit about, you know, you guys finished the regular season 20-6. and six. Talk a little bit about the atmosphere going to your first ACC tournament at Greensboro College, which you played earlier at the Greensboro Coliseum, but talk about that atmosphere at the ACC tournament. There's never a better atmosphere ever that you can ever see with so many teams and so many fans, the way they are, the Clemsons and the Wake Forests. And Dr. Carolina Duke came full strip and NC State. You know, NC State, the support of being around all, and, and you see them in all their sections, it was, it was, it was almost frightening. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and Wake Forest had a pretty good team with Rod Griffin that was on that team. Right? Right. He was he was an amazing player. And uh, Larry Harris, and uh, they, they, they had a, Carl Pace did a great job with that team. But uh, uh, it, was, it was, that's when you knew, that you were at the basketball league when you were at that tournament. When you came to the ACC tournament, it was a war. It was a battle. Uh, you had to play your best basketball, as Tiger would say. You had to bring your A game. Bring your A game. Uh, and and that, builds, that, that built up my confidence. That built up my intensity. And, you know, we go on to uh, beat uh, Lake Forest. Uh, it was on a, the championship game was on ABC. Yeah. Uh, and Bill Russell was the, uh, one of the announcers. And uh, I forgot who the other guy was. Very known, Kirk Gowdy. Kirk Gowdy and Bill Russell were, do- were doing that game. That game was televised, and we were behind by halftime by ten or fifteen points. And we came, made, made a surge, and, and we won it. And it's the first time Duke has ever went that far in about six, six or seven, eight years. Yeah. Uh, and we wound up going that far and, and winning the championship. There was a quote that Bill Foster used, used to say, and it snowed. The one thing about snow for us. If it snowed, it was an omen 
that we were going to have a great game. Every time it snowed, we had some great, great games. And both AC championships, it snowed. And we won those games. Yeah, you get an 85-77 win at Wake Forest. Then, uh, as big as the atmosphere is with the ACC tournament, talk a little bit about the atmosphere for the NCAA tournament. How was that? Because that, that had to be crazy. That's right. That was another level up. You know, first you had the ACC with all the fans and the craziness and the, the tension and, the, and all that. But then you had the NCAA tournament. And, you know, it's, it's, you, all, you know that it's one and done. I think our biggest asset was we loved playing with each other and playing. And we just didn't want to lose so that we, it, it would end the season. Right. Uh, we were like a bunch of kids. We didn't care who scored. We moved the ball around. We played that zone like crazy. We had so much fun that we should have been locked up for having so much fun. That's <laughs> how much fun we had. Um, and we didn't worry about the other team. We went out there. We played like little kids on a sandlot. Just we didn't worry about the teams. And uh, the more we kept playing, and they couldn't they couldn't figure us out. I, I don't think. And and our zone was very massive. We were very strong in that zone. We weren't great one on one players. Uh, defensive players. Uh, I had some of those skills, and Kenny Denard had some of those skills, but a lot of the guys at the Christian best ball, we stayed in that zone, but the zone was one of the best zones in the country. And we worked also that year, led the country in free throw shooting, so we were very good free throw shooting team, but the NCAA is, is, is like the, like the, going to the Olympics, you know, yeah. if you people understand the Olympics. So you have to get yourself right, too. Uh, it's, it's a whole mental preparation with these things. Yeah, that first, the opening round game, you guys get a scare of Rhode Island, a one-point win over Rhode Island. Oh, my God. What what was going through your head in that game? Uh, We couldn't do anything with Sly Williams. He's left-handed, and he was killing us pretty much. Um, But then he had a shot at the very end of it. You know, Mike Jemisky played great during that game, King Denard. Uh, It was was one of those games that everybody was kind of tight. But uh, they had three shots at the last shot. He shot it. It hit off the rim. His other guy got a tap. It hit off the rim again. Another guy got another tap under the oh, basket. Gosh. Missed the layup. <laughs> and we tapped it out of bounds. And the time that oh, I, I passed out. I, you know, it was, it, was, it, was, it was one of those things that every team in going to the NCAA has a game. We call it a luck game. Yeah. And every team goes to NC State. Everybody. Carolina and Jordan, we talked about that too. But... You have that one game that you just escape with luck, and that was the game. And once yeah. you get past that game, you can go smooth sailing. Yeah, you you pretty much sailed on to the Final Four. You met up with Notre Dame. First of all, making the Final Four your freshman year, that had to be like, you know, I, okay, this is this is it right here. I made the Final Four my freshman year. But to get against Notre Dame, they were number six in the nation, and you guys ended up beating them 90 to 86. But what was it like getting to that Final Four? Um, we were kids. We loved the attention. Uh, the country liked us because we were kids. We were the youngest, pretty much the youngest kid. The only guy that was the oldest guy was uh, Spinaco, who was a junior. Uh, rest of us were freshmen and pretty much sophomores. Uh, and, and we loved the attention. Uh, it was it was like, you know, it, it was just... TV and magazines and all that stuff. We loved it. And then when we got on the court, we didn't bring that to the court. We just, we had fun to be on the court. The biggest thing uh, with Notre Dame was Digger Phelps. Now, yeah. Digger Phelps was pissed off at me because I didn't come to visit. <laughs> and then also Digger, he, he, Digger caught me when I was high school. Uh, we had a game in Washington. My high school team had a game. He came up there with Adrian Dantley, Gary Brokoff, and uh, forget John Shoemate. And they cornered me in a corner. I've already said I'm going to go to Duke. And uh, he cornered me. He's giving me this blah, 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 like a car sales. You don't want to go to Duke. You know, Duke's just comparing Duke to Notre Dame is like comparing a Volkswagen to a Cadillac. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm, I'm sitting up there. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm kind of scared. You know, like, wow. You know, I hope I made it. He's telling me, you're not making a good decision. And blah, 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 blah. And uh, I finally luckily got out of that one. You know, and I was shaking a little bit because I'm saying maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. I don't know. Um, but then the bigger and bigger talked about how he thought Duke did this and that. Now we play against them, and they are they are cocky, they're confident. We ran into them on the elevator. They were like talking about, you know, me and Kenny listened to them on the elevator. We're in the back. We ain't saying nobody saying anything. And one of the guys goes, "Yeah, I wonder how much we're gonna beat them by tomorrow." 
Oh and, wow! Uh, just a, yeah, yeah. Bill and Bill, Bill and Bill, Bruce Flowers. They were on a, They were and they walk off, and then Kenny said, "Hey, look at this!" And Kenny turns around and flashes the moon after the door's closing. Now I can't imagine Lamb Bill would talk any trash. Oh, uh, he he he, he, he throws up his breath like that. Yeah, I'm an army boy to beat about him. We, we, we may be sympathetic. We may beat about ten. But I, I think fifteen is good. And we just looked, we and Kenny sat back and looked at each other like, okay. And then soon they got off, Kenny said, hey, look at this. This is what you're going to see tomorrow. And he flashed the big old moon and the door closes on him. And, uh, and we jumped out on him quick. We, we, we kind of, uh, we kind of went ahead by 12, 15 points. And then we got locked. We got, we put on cruise control and they made a comeback. So also it would be even worse than that. Yeah, you guys end up end up winning by four. Now you're in the national championship game against Joby Hall and the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, thoughts before that game, butterflies? Yeah, well, we, we weren't really worried so much about them. You know, the pressure was more pressure was more on them than it was on us. They they had a senior Latin team. Uh, the, 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 the SEC and everybody was saying if they, if they lose, they had a terrible season for us. We were happy to be there. We were having fun. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, we weren't afraid of them. We just, but they were, they were more veteranized. We played the 2-3 zone and we contained pretty much everybody else except for one guy, Goose. And, uh, <laughs> Goose had 31 in this game. Mm. And, uh, what Goose did, he, he slipped through different parts of the zone. He was on. He was on fire, and we didn't make adjustments. That was the one thing we didn't make changes of that. We had we had Roby and Phillips and Roby contained, and they're huge. They were six ten, two two forty, two fifty beef. But uh, Goose kind uh, of put a rain off rate, and we didn't realize until we got behind by twelve or thirteen. Said you know that's when reality hit us. Said you know listen you know guys we, we're good. You know, we just go up and down. We're attacking, but we didn't realize how good we were. And that, and that, and at the moment, we weren't ready for that moment to say, "Okay, you know, we've been winning, we've been having fun, but this is serious. Right. This is really serious. This is it right here. <laughs> this is it right here." And we made a comeback. He took all the starters out. He had to bring the starters back in because we got it down to I think four, something like that, yeah. if I'm not correct. And uh, he had to bring the starters back in. But that was the one time that. Reality studies, you know, for the whole season, it wasn't about having fun. It was about this is really a serious business, you know. Um, you want to win this championship. We just weren't ready. We were just playing. We won the game, good. We didn't win the game. We hadn't lost, so we didn't feel about losing. But that 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 really sunk sunk in for us to realize that this is bigger than just us having fun out here. This is more than, than what it is. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, you end up you guys end up losing. I think by four. Uh, yep. You go on to your sophomore year. You guys got a lot, of, a lot coming back. Did you guys feel confident that you could duplicate what you did and, and maybe get over the hump and win that championship your sophomore year? Our biggest problem your sophomore year was Murphy's Law. Whatever can happen will happen. And a lot of decisions happen. Luke Getz, who was the lead assistant for Duke, uh, decided after the championship game he was going to take the head coaching job at Richmond University. Uh, and Lou was the clue to us. He was the Jew, we called him the Jewish mob. Uh, he knew how to direct us, he knew how to discipline us. Bill was the head chief, but Lou was the glue to make sure everything happened. And when he left, that changed a lot of the situation. Second thing that happened, Don Harold, who was the starting guard from that team, got replaced by Bob Bender. You know, Bob Bender transferred from Indiana to play at Duke. He came in the second half of the year, the first year. Now, they, they, and, he, and Coach Foster did that on the first day. And that kind of divided the team. The second unit team got pissed off about that. I was young. I didn't re- really recognize what was going on. Uh, because it was more so that because Bobby came from Indiana, that uh, I wouldn't say he was promised he was going to start. But uh, they made that switch. And John Howard had, had led us all through the whole year. He was a great, great leader. Um they just thought the body would change. In body, they have two different types of styles, but that changed things. Uh, we were getting a lot of press. You know, right. Sports Illustrated followed us all over the place. You know, they, they, they took pictures of us sleeping in the bed and all that stuff. Uh, and uh, we were number one in the country. We became number one in the country. 
and uh, we had a game up in New York. It was a back-to-back Friday and Saturday game, and uh, it was Holly Tournament. Sports Street had spent the whole week doing a big story. They were going to do a the scoop was going to come out on Monday. We have this tournament. We go to New York. We're playing Ohio State. We're winning by 15 points. We lose that game. Yeah. The next night, we go to play St. John's. We're up by 17 at halftime. We lose that game also. We lose back-to-back games, Friday and Saturday, and we lose our number one title, uh, being number one, and Sports Illustrated scrapped the whole story. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Unbelievable. And then, then a lot of the stuff happened. It was just all kind of stuff. And we, we lost the innocence of playing together. Right. We lost the concepts. You know, Gibson Mark was one pro, so Coach was trying to do the offense more so he'd get more, so he starts to be more better. Uh, Mike Dominski started shooting a lot more. We got out of just sharing the ball and being unselfish to going down to a pattern. This is what we're going to do, how we're going to do it for the betterment of Jim on the pro and then put a better man of this and they said and then we made the change so it, it changed the innocence left our team and uh, that was the year I think was Black Friday Black yeah the Black Sunday thing that when Carolina lost the first game against Penn and we lost the second game against uh, in the NCAA region yep yep we lost it. and you know Kenny blew out his ankle and Bobby Bender had appendicitis and we lost that game so uh, uh, it was it was a, a crazy year it was the worst year the best year, but the worst year ever, um, because we lost our innocence and we, we got it to it got to be selfish more than it was staying sticking to the plan of what we needed to do. And then your your junior year, you guys come out, and this had to be circled on your calendar. The opening game against Kentucky, uh, number two Kentucky. You guys are, are ranked number three at the time, and you guys get the win, eighty two seventy six in overtime. Had to be some kind of redemption to get that win over them. I know it was like for the national championship, but to get that win over them, kind of get revenge on them, had to be uh, a feeling of redemption over that. For sure. That was the one game that we had looked forward to. Uh, Kentucky fans were talking a lot of smack. They just figured the game was already won. It was there. It was there. And, and one of the things that was really interesting, that that was one game that all of us, Got in tune and said, "This is, we 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 want we have to win this game." It was definitely a redemption game. Vince Hill was on our team, and Vince Hill was from Lexington, Kentucky, from right. that area. Uh, so uh, that was yeah, that was as you said, you put it the word right. That was a redemption game, and, and that was the beginning of the Kentucky thing, well, the, the championship game was. But then us getting my redemption back, yeah, that was one game I really, really, really wanted. Yeah. The- then you guys go. You guys start the year off on a twelve-game winning streak. Now let's talk a little bit about a team that didn't come into the picture until they pick up this high recruit, University of Virginia. Uh, let's talk about Ralph Sampson comes to Virginia. And, and, oh my God! Yeah. Oh my God! And I have. I've been told. Uh, I've got another friend that is a a Duke fan, big time Duke fan. He said you got to ask him about the time he dunked on Ralph Sampson. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I well, remember hearing about it, but I got to hear your story about this. Well, you can go on YouTube. You go on YouTube and look at Gene Banks dunk on Ralph Sampson, you'll see it. It's all <laughs> over the place. But, uh, uh, and Ralph and I are good friends now. But we would, we've met each other several times through the years. I would never talk about it. And then we did a ACC breakfast thing the year before last. And it was the first time he took the audience. He said, I've never been dunked on. And definitely never been dunked on as hard as when Gene Banks dunked on. And I was like, wow, he actually mentioned that? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but uh, what happened was I got I got elbowed in the floor by Lee Waker. Lee Waker was considered like a dirty player. Right. He elbowed me in the floor as he go on that court. I'll take the ball. He throws in. I grabbed my throat. My reaction was real quick. I got the steal. And when I got the steal, I was pissed off. I was mad. And I went up and Ralph just happened to be there. And, the rest of history, he got uh, <laughs> he got tomahawk. Yeah, that that was that was that was pretty uh pretty cool. That I mean, but Ralph Sampson, what can you say about that guy? One of the uh, one of the best college players of all time. It's just a shame that you know the knee injuries cut his cut his NBA career short. One of the most amazing specimens I've ever seen. When he came out on the court when he first played against him, he was so long, he was graceful. I've never seen a guy that long that that uh, had that kind of ability, and I was kind of in awe. I wasn't afraid of him, but I was in awe right. because of his of his, of his anatomy. 
can we, uh, they should have a statue outside the uh, UVA on Ralph Sasson. You're the player of the year back-to-back. You, you brought notoriety and so forth. And, and I, I don't think they, they really honored him the way he really should be honored. Uh, nice guy, an unbelievable talent. Um, just always came to say it was great for the ACC to have a player like him. It was great for UVA to have a player like him. And it was, he, was a, he was a great player to play against. I can tell you this. Now, I'm I'm like seven years old in 1980, and when Ralph Sampson come along, I can remember being scared when Carolina would play Virginia. I was like, yeah, is that Ralph Sampson guy again? Good Lord, how are we going to beat Ralph Sampson? But uh, just, just a great, great player. Uh, and, and like I said, I, I just hate he, his NBA career was cut so short. All right, so you talk a little bit about, you know, people talk about it these days about how crazy Cameron get. Talk a little bit about playing in Cameron back then. Was it as crazy as it is? I'm sure it wasn't crazy as it is now, but what was it like playing in Cameron? Well, it's, it's, it's the one place if you really want to see basketball at its highest level of excitement and as contained and close as it is, there's no other place that you can see basketball like that than in Cameron Bell Stadium. Uh, and one guy said to me, he said, Gene, you were the guy that really brought the Cameron Crazies back. I said, well, then they said, no, years before you got there, man, he said, we could walk into Cameron and sit anywhere we wanted to, okay? Yeah. The students would come in, they'd cheer a little bit, but that was it. He said, when you signed up to go to Duke, student tickets were sold out, the students the student were at a buzz, and that's when the Cameron Crazies really developed and got themselves. I said, well, they had, I saw games where they had great crowds. He said, no, it wasn't the same. When you came there, you changed the dynamics of it. And they were the heart and they were the pulse of us. When I played before them, I got such an energy rush that was just amazing during the game at any time. So uh, my classmates, those Cameron Crazies, there was no better place and no better team to play for than at that school. Right. And uh, talk a little, well, you guys go on to win the ACC tournament again, second time in three years, which is quite an accomplishment there. Uh, you beat Maryland in the, in, the, in the championship game by one. And always at Greensboro Coliseum. And to me, I don't know how you feel about this, but Greensboro Coliseum to me is the home of the ACC tournament. I, I mean, they can take it wherever they want to, but Greensboro Coliseum will always be the home of the ACC tournament for me. 100%. It, it does everything for it. It's great for the city. The city embraces them. People enjoy coming to Greensboro for this ACC. The ACC tournament should not be going anywhere else. I, this, I agree. That should be the that's the mecca. That's where it should always be. Greensboro, the the the, the Coliseum, and even now has made such great upgrades. The place holds twenty thousand now. So um, there's no other place that you can see the greatest game of a tournament ever. I, you could talk about the SEC, the Pac-10, all that, it doesn't matter. The AC tournament is the greatest tournament game ever. And Greensboro's a great place, and it should never go anywhere else. No, I, I agree with you totally there. Uh, so then you guys go on to the NCAA tournament, and here's Kentucky again, and you guys end their season, 55-54 at Rupp Arena. Uh, at Rupp Arena, and, and go on. What, what was it like ending their season? There? I mean, we talked a little bit about the redemption game, but then you carry it to another level. You and you get the the end their season there. What was it like that? With that? Well, the first thing about it was we couldn't understand how they wanted to have a game. Where it's like a home game for them. Oh yeah, the tournament that was crazy. You know, we were pissed off about that. We didn't really like them that much because they just there was just a little allergy that they had right. uh, with them. Uh, so. We already had our, uh, our feelings of, of giving up, but so, uh, that game itself, it was nothing about, that was one game I, I said, this is a game I cannot lose. We cannot lose this game. Uh, and we played great basketball. Mike Jaminski played fantastic. Vince Taylor was wonderful. And, uh, to beat Kentucky again, like that. Yeah. Priceless. Priceless. Yeah. And we said, that was, a, that was the one time we felt that we were representing the ACC. Yeah, you, your senior year, going to your senior year, Coach Foster leaves. What was, what was your reaction when you heard he was leaving? Um, it's really funny enough. Um, when I heard it, I felt uh, I felt like I need to be a man and just say, well, you know, he's got his family, he's got to make a decision. Because uh-huh. Bill Foster and Tom Butters 
they always had fights all the time. They always right. disagreements, three D. And you could tell something was about to happen or whatever, but we didn't know. Then when he started, Coach he took me out to dinner. And I just said to myself, well, Coach, you know, I, I just understand. And, uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, my dad, my dad is very, very, very angry about this because uh, they would ask me to come out to go pro my sophomore, even though that wasn't a good year. Right. Uh, Indiana was thinking about me coming out. I would have been the first one and done to do that. Um, but, I, you know, the NBA was, was a bunch of men, and I was loving college. I wasn't ready to go into that, so I kind of swiped that under the, under the rug. Um, so with that happening, and then we weren't, Kenny Norton and myself weren't even in the process. They didn't ask us anything. We didn't know anything about what's going on, who they were trying to get. <clears throat> Butters did not share nothing with us. I, matter of fact, it was summer. It was, it was uh, also spring break. I went home, and I stayed next week. Uh, Kenny went and went to the Keys and laid out on the Keys. So they had no connection with us about who the coach was. I found out about Coach K getting a job when it was on TV and the news in Philadelphia in my kitchen. Wow. And I knew nothing about him, you know. And my mom says, listen, this coach from West Point, blah, blah, blah. I said, I didn't. I said, I had no idea. Uh, then Coach, after the conference, press conference called me and Kenny asked us to come back. And we went to his office, and we are sitting there in his office, and and he's telling us about what his plans were and how he's going to do things and this, that, and the other thing. We have to be men. And I was very impressed with him. But right. I've never had any problem with authority. So whatever it was going to be, was going to be. But we didn't get any recruits. Because of this transaction, transition, we had one recruit came in, Doug uh, McGill, but we, I didn't have any, you know, we didn't have any reinforcements coming in. And we had Mike Trissall, who was 6'8". We didn't have a big guy. You know, we, he was just the biggest guy we had. Kenny was 6'8", I was considered 6'7", but uh, we had what we had. I, I think Coach did a wonderful job with what, what he had. Yeah, you guys go 17-13 and 13 that year. Uh, you have to talk about it. I have to talk about this. Senior day game, the last home game at, at Cameron, uh, the Carolina game, hitting the shot. I believe it was over Sam Perkins to send it in overtime. What? How crazy did that place go when you hit that shot? Well, the, the gift to all that, there was never a game. If you want to write a script for a game, for a, as a, you couldn't have written that script. You know, I went to church. I went to the chapel the day before. I was, I was basically praying to God, God, please give me, give me the script to not crap and screw up in this game. <laughs> don't, let them, don't let them beat us by so many points. This is, you know, the, the chapel is always open at certain times. Huh. And I'm sitting there in the front row by myself, visitors are coming back for, but I'm saying, I'm asking God, please give me, because they were very good. You know, they were strong. Uh, and I was like, just, just give me strength that I don't want to embarrass, but it's my last game. And we come out, and, uh, you know, it's, it's the last game. I brought roses to give out to all four corners of the gym saying, thank you. Uh, we were playing them, and, uh, that game was just, it went back and forth. They were up, they came back. And, uh, the most magnificent game I've ever played in, 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 to, in, in under rivalry, uh, against a competitive, one of the top teams in the country and on our conference. It was something made out of a storybook that you just can't really even say. It's, un- it was unreal. And then they hit the shot. Oh my God. It was, uh, <laughs> Coach K designed to play for Chip in this. It wasn't for me. Right. Um, but Kenny and I played together for so long. We knew each other. After he stepped the play, we looked at each other like, are you kidding me? going to give it to this young kid? But we didn't say anything, and he never looked at me. But when he threw the pass, he threw the perfect pass. I caught it, turned around, and Sam was right there. He was right there. Uh, and I had the sheet that I started, and it hit rock bottom. Uh, the rest is just unbelievable history. You couldn't have had a better game, a last game in Cameron. I was, oh, my God. Uh, it's still talked about to this very day. Yeah, yeah, they definitely talked about it. Let's talk a little bit about another one of your teammates. Talk about Kenny Denoy. What was it like playing with him? The craziest white man I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> the craziest white man I've ever met. Unbelievable. Um, fantastic player. Uh, he knew his role. He was gritty. He was quiet. He, 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 he hit the floor. He played. He knew his role perfectly. Um, I've never met a person that I loved more playing with. Uh, I'm an inner city kid from Philadelphia. He's a 
he's a rural kid from Kings, North Carolina, and we just connected from our first years. And, and you know, the love I have for him, even today, we talk all the time, even now, right. uh, was just a match. He made my life at Duke, playing at Duke, so wonderful. Uh, and just an amazing, amazing person. Uh, I, words can't even say, I mean, he, he was the greatest player, role player, that knew his role to perfection. And he did that. And um, we, we, have, we have a bond that's just, just unmatched. That's, that's, that's pretty awesome there. So you guys go on and you, you play in the NIT tournament. Uh, you end up losing Purdue. What was it like, that feeling in the locker room after saying, you know, I'm sure you, you had a feeling you were going to play in the NBA. But knowing your time at Duke was over, what was that like? Well, what happened was uh, we played North Carolina A&T in the first round. Mm-hmm. And I went up to, to block a shot at the charge to my pistol, and I, I got uh, my legs cut from under me. And I snapped. I broke my wrist in half. Ugh. I left wrist in half. Uh, and Coach Trey said, no, I, and my hand was trembling. And he said, no, you, you're not going to play anymore. And uh, I was I was looking to have a great game that game. and uh, But I, was, I had to get out of that game. Uh, and then here's the funny thing. We win the game, no problem. I get the surgery. The next game is against Alabama. Right. So what I do, I, I get a limousine, I rent a, I rent a tux, <laughs> and I come to the game. <laughs> yeah. I come to the game, pull up in the back. I come into the game with the tux, with the limo, with the tuxedo on, and I walk in, and the, the camera crazy, go, they go nuts. They go crazy, <laughs> you know. So I still wanted to be a part of the team and, and, and be a part of that. And, and we played Alabama. We beat Alabama also as well. Uh, but that was one of the times that uh, even though my career was, uh, I knew I was going to play again in Cameron at Duke because it was, that was what it was. But uh, I had to do something again to let everybody know I was still there, I was still part of the team, and I still loved them. So those are stories you probably hadn't heard about, but that's what happened. Yeah, I hadn't heard that. That's great, though. I like, I like that story there. Um the NBA draft, because right, I know it's not the big hoopla that it used to be. Did you have any teams contacting you about that they were going to draft you? Well, here's the thing. You remember I broke my wrist? Yeah. You know, I broke my wrist, and it was three months before the NBA draft. Uh, and it was really my left wrist. It wasn't my shooting wrist. And Frank Baskin, the late Frank Baskin, got rest his soul. He put out a letter out saying, well, he doesn't think I, he doesn't think I will be uh, as com- uh, it wouldn't say competitive, but it would be it would be a challenge to have me. And I dropped from being there was there was a chance I was going to be a third or fourth pick, right? And I dropped to number twenty eight. Uh, and on draft day, I'm sitting there with Sunny Hill, my best friend, my my, my fiance, my wife to be in the future. Uh, and I'm seeing all these guys go in front of me: Albert King, and Larry Nance, and all these guys. I played in the ACC and and, and tormented. I'm I'm dropping I'm dropping I'm dropping and uh, but before the draft I was I was flown out to L A I was flown in there they looked at my wrist and saw but they made a decision that they weren't going to pick me but I got picked by the San Antonio Spurs right uh, and uh, it probably was the best thing that you know, I was the first pick in the second round not in the first round the second round um, and they didn't have a first round pick. And I was I was decimated. I was I was sad. I was hurt. But then when they when they picked me, they called me, and it was a in the background. There's a lot of noise, a lot of crowd of people, and they said, "Listen, King, we got a first round pick in the second round. Yep. You were top three of us, and we welcome you here." And I go down, and uh, they brighten my spirits up, and I wound up playing with the great George Ice Mangrove. Yeah, George Gervin, like crazy. Yep. Uh, and I go down there, uh, I had a great rookie camp, and Stan Allback used to stay, he yelled and screamed at me like you wouldn't be like a, a drill sergeant. But I learned from the older guys that he does that because he's trying to, he's trying to, to, to build you up or see if you are man enough to handle this. Right. And I was. And the following year, I wound up starting, and my career just took off from there. Yeah, I mean, you guys had some great years in San Antonio. Then you, you get, you, get sent to Chicago in 85, uh, play with a Carolina guy that some people were talking about. Uh, what was it like being on those Bulls teams, especially early with Michael Jordan? Well, here's the thing. You know, the year before, Michael's rookie year, I had to guard him. 
Yeah. That was the San Antonio. Stan had been gone. Stan was in New Jersey. I had to guard him. He, he gave me fits, but uh, I had to guard him. And when Stan got the job in Chicago, his first acquisition was the trade from Steve Johnson and Jay Lee. Right. Me and my wife were in China, and we saw the news on China. Stan all back to his job. I was like, wow, Stan, okay, great. That's awesome. Happy for you. And uh, they said he's also made a, a trade and deal, and he, he got a trade and deal, and I was his first acquisition. I was like, wow. Here I'm going to go up there and be with the great Michael Jordan. And uh, I got there, and, and Mike was, he was young, but uh, he listened. The one, two people he listened was myself and Charles Oakley. Right. Uh, had a lot of respect for him. He had respect for me. Uh, he was an unbelievable competitor. What makes Michael Jordan so great is his work ethics and practice. He really comes at you. He's a guy that is a competitor like no other, and he comes at you in practice, and we went at him. You know, we saw some dunks and some great things in practice that you know you guys never seen. Yeah. But we came at him. He liked it. Uh, they were brutal, and that's why I say the games for him were easier compared to what our practices were. But I was very honored to have had that experience. Uh, every time we went out, uh, it was like the Beatles. You know, you go into places the young kids loved them. We had the men and Charles had to escort them out back doors and so forth. So it was exciting. It was very exciting. Then to play with them, we worked deep on the bench. So, you know, we, we had what we had. We were in good, a lot of good games till the last three minutes of certain games. But And then we ran up against the Boston Celtics, who were a totally great team at the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were they were a dominant team back then. Good Lord. Um, then you, you, you had a career overseas. What was it like? How hard was the transition when you went overseas from, from playing in, in, the, in the States to, to playing overseas? Well, the one thing, reason why I wanted to overseas, I ruptured my Achilles attendant right. when I was the Bulls. You know, I played in the summer league game, and I ruptured it, and uh, everything was fine. I know you look at the story with the uh, the last last dance to talk about Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause was, was an interesting person. You know, he and I had a great relationship. We always talked about baseball. Uh, he was a White Sox scout at one time. I loved the Cubs. He was all, we had a great relationship, but. When I ruptured my Achilles, he called me on a Monday, says, don't worry, everything's going to be fine, everything's going to be great, called me on Wednesday, buddy, hang in there, we're good. Friday, I get a letter from the team, they were suing me. Oh, what? <laughs> they're getting hurt. Yeah, I had the surgery, they, they, they're suing me. You know, it was on the front of the team, they had a rule to Gene Banks school. You have to get permission to play in summer league games, but all the time they kept telling us, we want you working out, we want you playing in games, blah, blah, blah. So that, that was a big problem. So that's how I wound up going overseas. So what happened before I went overseas, I played the CBA, the old CBA. Right. And Flip Saunders. Flip Saunders was the coach of the lacrosse Catbirds. Now, if you know who Flip Saunders was, he was also a coach of the Detroit Pistons and the Washington Wizards. Um, and I played for him. We were winning the championship, and a guy from France came and said, we were changing the player, we'd like you to come over. And I wound up going over there because CBA, you don't make any money. Right. You know, you don't make any money. I had a family as well. Uh, so I went over there and uh, had a great great season, mid-season with them. And uh, uh, I wound up having to go to Israel because they didn't want to pay me all my bonus money, blah, 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 blah. But I did try to get back in the NBA. I tried with the Charlotte Hornets. with the, the inaugural year that the Charlotte Hornets was getting put together, I went to the training camp. And I made all three cuts. I went out to the California League. I led them in scoring and rebounding and so forth and so on. But I didn't have a guaranteed contract. Kelly Trapuca, if you know that name. Yes, sir. He was on that team. He had a guaranteed contract. Kenny Gaddison, uh, Brian Rouse, all these guys had these guaranteed contracts. I was coming in trying to get back in the league. Uh, because when I, the reason why I went to the CBA was because Carl Shearer said, listen, we saw the report. It doesn't look like your muscle of your leg has come back yet. Where was CBA in? And we'll bring you up. And that's the reason why I went to CBA, but I never got the call back up. So I wound up playing overseas and had a great, great time over there. Had a great Cinderella year like Duke in Israel. Played in Israel for four years. Played in Argentina for two years. Uh, my children uh, got a great education. Uh, one in Italy. I played in Italy the first time. And one in Italy, and then they got to go to school in Israel. So um, if nothing else, you, you, you make lemonade out of limits. That's right. That's right. So 
you ended up having having a coaching a little bit of a coaching career. What was it like being being on the bench on that side? It was it was fantastic. And and how it happened was Chip Simons became the coach. Uh, he came to Queensboro. Minnesota was playing in the uh, in, in the regionals, and he came and he hadn't gotten the job yet. And I hadn't seen him in twenty some years. And I said he hugged me. We had a great time. You know, we talked about old times. I said before he walked out the door, I said, "Clip, when you want to get a job, you know, you got to, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm your man to, to, to train the big guys." He stopped. <laughs> he looked at me, and he walked on out. And I got a call two weeks later from Vince Chase. Listen, I think Clip is considering bringing you to up there and give a tryout. He said, "Great." Clip called me. I went up there. Uh, they had workouts for guys in the draft. Spent two days up there, boom. End of it, came back home, nothing. He called me back again, come up, I want you to train some guys, do what the coach stop over. Okay, did that, came back, nothing. So I'm wondering, what's going on here? You know, they're not telling me that they're going to give me a job, and nothing like that. I go up a third time, and I'm and training and so forth, and at that time, they had, Merlin had this guy named, uh, this Hispanic kid, uh, Grievous, or whatever his name was, uh, and, and I, I came out the box. And he was playing like crap. And I hollered at him with all the press rashes. I said, how are you going to be playing like that? I said, this was Duke. You'd be acting nuts and crazy. <laughs> and he started playing well. Yeah, he started. And, he, and, and, and in the interview, he told the news, he said, Coach Banks really got my air. And that's what made me play uh, like I did. I get credit to I wouldn't even coach them, but I was part of the staff. Right. The Coach Banks, blah, blah, blah. Cliff says, go upstairs, see how he's going I go upstairs, Ernie Grunfeld's talking about him and Bernard King with that Tennessee and all this stuff and blah, 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 blah. At the very end of this 20-minute rant and talking about, he throws his paper at me. He says, here, a bunch of papers. There's a contract. He says, there's a contract. I want your agent look at it. But I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm like startled. I'm, I'm like, wow. And I said, I don't need no agent. I'm signing this right now. I can not even <laughs> care what the numbers were. <laughs> I signed the paper. And I see he said to me, well, I, I didn't bring any clothes. He said, well, tomorrow we're leaving for Las Vegas. I said, well, I didn't know anything about it. He said, you don't even know anything about that. I said, I don't want the clothes. You don't need the clothes. He said, just be ready. And I go up down the hall. I go in the bathroom. And I just broke down and cried. I just thank God for it. I said, this was an unbelievable opportunity to be on this coaching staff. And uh, and I did. And, uh, and uh, the rest of the battle was history. And uh, I trained uh Javel McGee and the guys, okay. uh, Nick Young, Swaggy P, and I had Bert and Andre Black. I had the three students. This was what, what you called them. They were young kids acting silly and crazy, and I was responsible for those guys. So uh, to be able to get back into the league uh, in that way was, was, was utterly fantastic. And I thank God for that more than anything in this world. Yeah. So talk a little bit about what you're doing now. Talk a little bit about this podcast you just started. Well, what I've been doing uh, recently uh, was I have the King Banks Foundation, and I do a lot of things where it comes to youth programming, whether it's in Philadelphia, Greensboro, and Canada. I've been going to Canada for the last 20, 30 years, and I do sports camps up there, sports uh, emphasis on the mentor and so forth, and uh, I've been doing that, also raising money for underprivileged kids here. Uh, and I still kind of do that a little bit. I lived in Canada the last two years, up there working to build up the, the, the camps and the programs up there, and I finally just came back. Uh, but the podcast was one of those things that, it was, it was the, the coronavirus thing happened. We were all contained. I've spoken to a lot of people's podcasts, and then one producer said, Gene, I don't know why you don't have your own podcast. I said, well, because, I, I, you know, I, I, have, I have a lot of stuff I'm doing. I'm doing 15,000 things, and you got to put time to put these things together. Gene, well, you got time. You're great. You'll be great at it. Like your voice is good, you got knowledge and all that stuff. And I thought about it. And one of my friends uh, from my high school uh, has a great company, and he said, "You got to do this, and we'll put all this stuff together. Don't worry about the payment. We're gonna put this thing together." And the rest is history. We got the podcast, and uh, I wanted to talk. The reason why I did the podcast is I want to talk about guys' careers. Right. I also want to talk about the challenges they went through, you know, through life. Uh, and my first show. Uh, I was trying to, I was going crazy about what was my first show, who's my going to be my first interviewer. And the producer said, talk about you, Gene. Yeah. The fans want to know about who is, who is Gene Banks. Give them something that they don't even know about. And that's what I did in the podcast and got rave reviews, uh, as of 
last night and this morning, and uh, I shared some things, a story they never knew about. Never knew about. Like I'm telling you certain things that you didn't know about. Uh, and now, uh, my next show, I'm hoping to get signed. And I'm going to talk to Kristen Layton. I'm going to talk to Ralph Sampson. I'm going to talk to Phil oh, Ford. I'm going to talk to David Thompson. And if we're going to talk about their careers, but I really want to get into talking about, you know, Ralph, how did you, you're seven feet. Your dad and mom were this size. You know, what did your dad do beforehand? How did you feel going in the climate of attitude as you were coming up? in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Um, how was it with you being a father and you had sons? These are stories I want to talk about. Right. Therefore, the same way, how was it great, besides being a great ball player, the influence that Dean Smith had on you. Your influence with being around the Carolina uh, mode of, of, of that, that whole world. Tell us about what your great feelings are. And then also your battle that you had with uh, uh, the cancer you had. Right. You know, he, he had... So I want to bring those stories out. That's what's going to make this, this podcast more unique than the others. And I'm just going to be myself, you know, just and talk about who that guys talk. Yeah, t- tell us what, what's the website we can find that, uh, that at. <clears throat> okay, the website is GeneBanksLegend.com. Go to GeneBanksLegend.com, and you'll see a beautiful website of stories, and, and you'll see videos. You'll see the game, the, the, the Ralph Sampson dunk. You'll see the Carolina games. Uh, and then also you'll see uh, on there my statistics. Uh, there's going to be a, a, a story. I have a T-shirt and posters out. That's not on there yet. Um, and then you, you also can go there and you can find out what podcasts uh, that that uh, that platform that you can go right. to. Like the name of the show is The, the Bank Shop with Gene Banks. Good the night. Bank Shop with Gene Banks. But yeah, it, it, it's crafty on that one. I, and I didn't even think of that one. But uh, you go to GeneBanksLegend dot com and have some fun. Leave your name, your number, and your email, and you'll get alerts. Like it and subscribe to it. Uh, it's going to be fun. I'm going to add more stuff in. I'm going to do interviews with Phil and, and put them on there. So uh, I want to push the ACC as well, besides myself. But it's going to be a lot about talking about. It's, it's going to be a fun site to go on right. if you get a chance. Go check it out. And then also, go to the bank shop and listen to my first show. It's already recorded. It's on Spotify. It's on Anchor. It's on Breaker. It's on Google Play. It's on uh, Public Radio. Right. Uh, there's so many There's so many uh, venues and platforms you can go on to hear the story. Yeah. But I, you, can get, you can get to it. Yeah, and any of you, you guys out there listening, any you guys out there listening, I will have a link on my Facebook page to his website, and we'll we'll keep monitoring and, uh, and keep trying to share his podcast episodes as well. I'll, I'll get that link up to one of those uh, t- tonight. We'll, we'll get that up tonight. So, a couple of and, quick... And, 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 I, and, I, and I want to hear the comments. I want to hear... I like right. to hear your suggestions. And I'll, I'll, and I'll read some people's suggestions on, on, on my podcast. Right. So, a couple of quick hitting questions, and then I'll, I'll let you go. Uh, toughest toughest defender you, you, you ever went up against? Well, well, why at Duke? Why you at Duke? Second defender, I would say probably for me, uh, Worthy. Worthy was James tough. Worthy. Okay. Yeah, James right. Worthy was tough. He was a tough one because he made you have the faith because you had to worry about him defense and then off. You had to go down the other and worry about him offensively. <laughs> so your fa- favorite memory while you were at Duke? Favorite memory? Uh, the last game. The Hit last the game. The favorite hit the shot. And not just the game, but after the game, a guy named Ken Hagler put me on his shoulders and took me around town, and everybody was on the floor. And they were just, it was like, I closed my eyes, I lifted my fist up, I'll send you the picture. It was the first time I zoned out. I almost <laughs> like I was, it felt like I was in heaven with God. Wow. Uh, the, the fans were cheering, the people upstairs were cheering. It was my moment ever in a stadium. That was it was about me. It was really about the game, but it was about me hitting the shot, and it was amazing. I never felt like that ever before. Now that's that's pretty awesome. There, I figured that was going to be it, but I had to ask anyway. Uh, Mr. Banks, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to talk with us today. Uh, it's been an honor and a pleasure. And like I said, I will have a link up, and we'll we'll keep sharing your. Uh, we'll have a link up to the web page, and we'll keep sharing your. Uh, your uh, podcast episodes as well. 
Well, to everybody out there, I thank you all. And, and if you give the website, thank you for coming. And uh, Stevie, you did a great job, and you're, you're a fantastic guy. We're friends and we're brothers from now until, even though you're a Carolina guy. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, Phil and I, I love Phil to death, and so I, I, I have, and I, I, lo- I love, I love me some Roy Williams. I really do. I right. love Roy Williams. But uh, uh, to all you guys, please, you know, this coronavirus, please be safe, be smart, and uh, I just hope you be well and take care of yourselves. Yeah, and you- thank you so much, Stevie, for being on your show. You all guys right. are great. Thank you, sir. You stay safe as well. Guys, that is Gene Banks on the final score.